Hey, visionaries, this is Cuff. And this is Mo. This episode is brought to you by Farmers Insurance, the Robert Garcia Agency. If you are looking for the best insurance and customer service, make sure you pick up the phone and dial 972-645-1844 for Farmers Insurance, the Robert Garcia Agency. Whether it's home, life, business insurance, Robert Garcia and his staff are the best at protecting you and your family long term. Once again, that's Farmers Insurance, the Robert Garcia Agency. The phone number is 972-645-1844, and the website is farmersagent.com slash rgarcia. Hey, this is Lola Wilson with SB Sports Group, and you are listening to the Vision Lab Podcast with Cuff and Mo. Welcome to the Vision Lab Podcast, where we give a voice to the voiceless. I'm Ryan Cuffey, alongside my co-host, Mr. Ryan Mosley. The Vision Lab is a platform focused on growth and exploring the developmental path of people's visions and dreams and how those dreams can come into reality. It's all about tapping into and becoming the best versions of ourselves through self-discovery, self-examination, and self-actualization. If you're looking to maximize your potential, this is the podcast for you. Finding out your missing ingredient is what's going to happen here on today's episode. Hey, Mo, who do we have on the show today? Cuff, today's guest is a native of Dallas, Texas. She is a graduate of Clark Atlanta University. She is a publicist who has worked with the likes of Kanye West, Rihanna, and former Cowboys defensive lineman Marcus Spears. Please welcome Lola Wilson to the Vision Lab podcast. Lola. Hey. What is good? First of all, let's give a little cheers, okay? Shout out to MVP Vodka. Shout out to MVP. (laughs) Um, We got it going right now. So, Lola, Mm -hmm. what the hell is a publicist? Uh, A publicist is a person that uh, maximizes someone's visibility through uh, all type of outlets, media outlets, publishing outlets, um, anything that uh, will allow the product or the person to gain more visibility, to get more endorsements, to sell more albums, to sell more jerseys. So that is what a publicist is. Okay. How did you get started being a publicist? I got started um, when I worked for Neo. I was on the marketing team and they had a publicist who was kind of overworked and I stepped in and did some press release and I got um, some things out for the album at the time, which was the Red album. And he had a hat um, company that was being featured at uh, Neiman Marcus called Francis Alago. Miss Independent. Okay, no. Oh, no. That's no, she right. shut okay. you down. Okay, I can't Wait. do that? Okay, okay. So, and that was not on that. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> she shut you down. Quick. She did, I, yeah. but I like it. Hey, yo, first of all, Lola, you cool as hell. Thank you. You know, um, so are you guys. We appreciate it. Certainly appreciate it. How long have you been a, a, a publicist? Uh, over 10 years. So from what we gather, right? Because we're 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 newbies when it comes to the whole publicist thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What constitutes or or should I, let me let me rephrase it? Who are the type of people that needed publicists, right? Like we have our podcast, and you know we've talked to you offline about some things that we're working on for the future, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. When do you say it's appropriate for a person to say I need a publicist? Yeah. yeah. When they can afford one. Really. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, um, I would say that because um, 
I mean, it costs like everything else. But uh, when you're first starting out with something, you don't necessarily need a publicist um, because there are things that you can do yourself uh, that can bring you the visibility that you need that will eventually get you to where you will need a publicist. So sometimes people jump the gun. Oh, I have a book. I self-published it. I need a publicist. No. What you need is um, to figure out how to market this book um, by yourself because I'm sure you don't have a budget to um, to to hire a publicist because I mean it pay you got to pay to play. So what, what what does that mean? I mean, obviously there's there's different ranges, but just give us an idea of what would it take to hire a publicist because. The Vision Lab podcast is blowing up, and we might need to look at getting one. We may have one already in the building, but ideally, you know, what does it look like to hire a publicist? The cost? Right. Yeah. Uh, so the minimum, the minimum uh, is a retainer of $5,000 a month. Okay. So 60, so 60 racks a year. <clears throat> and what, so, do, yeah. what does somebody get with that retainer? So with that retainer, they uh, they get publication, media outlets. Uh, so PR is a publicist is in public relations. So it's all communications. So they use their resources to build your visibility and gain um, exposure to help gain exposure to what you're promoting or what you're marketing. So they so they essentially push the tangible product, whether right. it's an artist mm-hmm. uh, product, like the actual hard product, whether it's food, jerseys, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. you, the personality, whatever it might be. Right. Gotcha. Okay. So so you've been in the game for ten years, um, give or take. How did you get involved with being a publicist? Um. So as I stated uh, in with Neo, I they needed extra hands, and so I began to write. Uh, press release and things of that nature. So I didn't go to college and major in public relations or What did you major in at Clark? I majored in theater with a minor in music, vocal performance. So you wanted to be a singer? Oh, uh, yeah, I did. I did. Can you, can you blow some notes? Yes, I'm not singing right now. Uh, I guess I can. Okay, gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now let's, you know, take a step forward, right? Because mm-hmm. we, as, you know, the regular people, when we see a celebrity, an athlete, an entertainer, what have you, and we see them on a red carpet or some type of media appearance, we see the finished product. The, the image has been molded and, and contoured and shaped and, and that way it can be pushed out a certain way, right? Mm-hmm. What is a publicist's role on the back end or behind the curtain, if you will, in that process? So it's product placement or people placement. So even if it's a person. So when you see someone on a red carpet, um, the publicist is ensured that they get on the red carpet, that they're interviewed by certain people, their pictures are taken by those people, um, certain people. Uh, that is what a publicist's job is, is to maximize their visibility as much as possible. And I'll give an example, Gabrielle Union. She may have a movie once a year, if that, but her publicist pushes her to the core, whether she is, she's on every red carpet, she stays very relevant. Um, uh, she's on everywhere carpet, as I said. She's in. She's got an article written about her, or she's um, 
you know, doing interviews on TV shows, may not have anything coming in, coming out, but she stays relevant to the point to where when they're casting for something, they automatically think about Gabrielle Union. So how much is a, a, of an influence is her being out on the red carpet, being involved in social media play and in, in being casted for a lot X role because we need movies to sell so names have to be in those movies that will sell those movies so even though you may think ah oh, Gabrielle Union it will draw it will draw what that director or what that writer wanted right so that is why um having that person on the red carpet having them do interviews having them um do charity events or whatever the case may be allows them to be at the forefront of the minds of people who are making decisions for future projects and that's just an example right um uh so yeah what does a day in the life of lola look like as a publicist crazy (laughs) you're laughing yeah you get up at what time and then what happens I get up at, so I recently I've started to get up at five to go to go work out, but um, I usually get up about five, go work out, and then I start like my work day about 8, 30, 9 o'clock. I usually start to go to sleep about 12. 12 what? Um, 12 a.m. Okay. Okay. Um, and that's just, you know, because... I'm working. Do you um, have one of those big calendars that's like blocked off with like multiple different highlighted colors and all that stuff? Or how, like you? Think, yes, okay, I do. You know, three hours a day I'm doing press releases. No, three hour days I'm doing all sorts. No, of I'm not that organized. No. Uh, when it comes to mine, like I sat here and thought, oh, I need to go do that press release as soon as I leave here. Okay, so we're talking about press releases, but let me let me give you a scenario. This is obviously back in the day. It's not it's not fresh, and so that's why I want to bring it up. Um, you get up at five, mm-hmm. and let's say, for example, uh, T.O. is your is your client, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden at 10 a.m. Your phone starts blowing your up. Your phone is blowing up from media personalities, um, you know, uh, people from the paper, so on and so forth, because T.O. has gone on a rant where he has worked out in his driveway um, and is interviewing or taking interview questions. And holding an impromptu press conference in his and driveway. And you have no idea about it. How do you handle that situation? Because at the end of the day, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. but essentially you're not only a psychologist, but you're kind of like a, a spin doctor. Right. So how do you handle that? It's 10 a.m. You got your workout in. You're working your normal daily routine and your phone blows up. And you mm-hmm. turn on ESPN News and TO's on the big screen, working out, talking noise. And at the end of the, at the, end of the uh, segment, he says, talk to my publicist. So, <laughs> I probably would have uh, a shot of Hennessy first. Because yeah. I'm probably going to go off okay. in private. Um, and then before... so. When something like that happens, media is already calling, right? Uh, and I'll tell you, I, so that's an example. But I'll give you a, a personal example. Um, I worked uh, with Terry Glenn. Okay. Um, 
former the Ohio State wide receiver, Rest still holds the record. RIP. So when he passed away, um, at four o'clock in the morning, I got a lot of texts and calls from everybody. Uh, I did not know what was happening. Um, I did not know this, if the story was true. Uh, and I was reaching out to his fiance, and of course, she's in the hospital. Um, so with that being said, I can't respond or say anything to anybody until I talk to my client. Right. In this situation, my client is definitely deceased. Um, I end up having to reach out to a to the sister of the fiance, who I knew um, from a previous friend friend well from a friend who knew her and so i ended up talking to her and then i was able to get, talk, the, whole, get the whole get deal. the whole story but i had to go to the hospital see what was going on media was already at the hospital right um so with so to your point so surprise stories or things that we're unaware about they happen all the time and at this point, it's damage control. So at this point, the media is at T.O.'s house. I got to do damage control. But I have to talk to my client. What are you, what are you, what is your end goal? What's your message? Right. So if you're trying to get signed or I don't remember, I remember that happening. I don't remember. I believe that was the day he was upset with Andy Reid. But that's, that's either here or right. for this So, okay. So with that being said, what is the end goal with this, with how you're, with how you are um, behaving, behaving, acting, um, and then having that conversation, and then I can move forward. As long as there's an end goal of what we need to do, then I can make it work. But, but it's not um, as simple as a as a press release. Like no, you know, Tio is 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 looking for employment. No, no. Blah, blah, so blah, blah, to blah. your point. So as long so when I have an end goal, then I spin the story, whatever the story may be. So. Um, and that's why I brought Terry Lynn. So they've already, media's already in the hospital. What am I going to say? They're already labeling him based on backstories. So even with T.O., they're labeling him with backstories. But at this point, he's a good guy who has passed. And we're not going to, and the media is not going to. And it's my job to not tarnish his name, right? It's, um, even if the media even as the media tries attempts to. So at this point, I have to talk to the media. Hey, he's got five kids. Do you really want him to read this? Are you saying you know? this to them? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and and so the, the media... Because media really, they know what they... they they're, they're, like, they're like social media followers. They only know what they hear. They only know what they see. They some media knows people personally, but for the most part, they're compiling information and creating a story. Creating their own story. So yeah. after this story is created, I have to go back and make sure that this story, if it has been published, that there's another story published to offset this story. Um, and that is kind of like what has happened. That has that is the things that I do. So it's not just press release, but it's understanding what the story is and making sure I can change it or spin it into what it needs to be for the end goal. Gotcha. Ladies and gentlemen, the voice you're hearing is Lola Wilson. 
we've got a whole lot more to unpack with Lola in regards to her experience being publicist and, and why we uh, Cuff and Mo might need a publicist as our own as far as Vision Lab is concerned. Let's go. We'll be right back here on the Vision Lab podcast. Hey everyone, this is Edwina, co-owner of Blowing Smoke Cigar Lounge. And this is Lisa, co-owner of Blowing Smoke Cigar Lounge. When you're ready to put some smoke in the air, join us at 215 West Camp Wisdom Suite 5, Duncanville, Texas 75116, where we have VIP Lounge, Spoken Word, and Jazz Night. Anytime you would like to connect with us, we're very active on social media. We're active on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That handler name is Blowing Smoke Cigar Lounge. That's blowing without the G. We, we talked in that last segment about, obviously you understand you know, what your clients are, are going through. Um, and, you, and your job really is to, to spin the story to their benefit, essentially, right? Um, but let me ask you this: I, when I when I when I see on TV uh, publicists, I always see female representation. Mm-hmm. Um, is there? I'm not asking you to quantify, but like, are there male publicists that are out there? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think women are more uh, visible because. From a communication standpoint, um, we're out there with the client, not saying that males aren't, but um, it it has been categorized as like a female job because there is, you have to be social. You have to be a people person to be a publicist. Um, And so when you think of a man, when you think of masculinity and, you know, being an alpha male, you're not really thinking of um, being social uh, and uh, being out all the time, things of that nature, because that doesn't really go with that um, that role. profile, right. right? That role. So, but yeah, there there are definitely men who are publicists. So I see you kind of as this, I don't know, like a mama bear that's protecting her cubs, and the, the cubs being a client, right? Uh-huh. Like, do you do you take on that? kind of mama bear mentality when you're dealing with your clients? I care about my clients and I rock with my clients. Um, and so that is, that has been part of the job sometimes. Uh, they're still adults, so I respect them as adults. For sure. Um, but there have, there are times where, you know, you do feel like you're, Especially if it's like a young athlete, 23, you got to represent him. His mama don't really know what's going on. Um, and you just can't let him be put out there any kind of way. Right. Uh, so from that standpoint, yeah, there's a lot of um, protection against, uh, uh, I mean, not against, but protection um, of a client. So... I'm going to ask you a question to follow up with another question. So just follow me for a second. Okay. Has there ever been a time to where you said, you know what? I'm not going to work with this person. Oh, absolutely. I've gone to the bank and (laughs) withdrew money. And the only reason why I didn't give them the money 
or, you know, follow through is because I talked to my sister and she was like, listen, mm -mm, they still owe you, you know. But yeah, absolutely. There are people that I have respectfully declined um, just based on the fact that there was not an end goal there. They don't. They didn't know their brand. Before you have a publicist, you have to already have, be marketed. Um, you already need to know your audience. There already needs a, to be a brand um, already positioned. Like your brand already needs to be de developed. And not saying that publicists can't develop brands, but that's another service. So um, when you come to a publicist or when you come to me at, and I'm a publicist, I'm assuming all of this is already done. And to have the expectation that I'm supposed to do other services like build your brand and do marketing is crazy. Um, and sometimes that's what people feel like they're going to get a three for one deal. And no. It didn't work that way. Mm -mm. Okay. So my follow up to that is, well, before I even get to that, because you just opened the door when you said, when you gave me that answer. Uh, in regards to you going to the bank and withdrawing that retaining money to give it back to that person. What does that conversation go like when you say, you know what? I can't work with you. How does that go? Um, I am professional. I, I, there's not, there hasn't been a time I haven't been professional, but it's, you know, I believe that you, we are not on the same page. And therefore, I don't want to risk um, <clears throat> further damage to them. Not even damage, but I don't want to risk hindering that the client from um, moving forward in in whatever it is they're doing, right? So those are the things that I would say. Um, I don't, you know, go off or anything like that, but I definitely make it sound like, hey, you're doing great. You don't need me, even though you suck and you're probably going to flop. But no, yeah. Okay, so now my real follow-up to all of that, right? <laughs> What do you stand for as your brand, as the owner of, of SB Sports Group? What is What are the tenets that, that you stand on? Uh, integrity. So there's no lying. Like, if you did it, you did it. We got to own it early. There's no, I'm not going to pretend like this never happened. We're not going to ignore the situation. And a lot of people, when they're looking for a publicist, they're looking for someone to do that. No, we got to own this early. Um, and it, it goes back to an old saying, and I'm definitely quoting my mom. If you talk about it, folks can't talk about it. So I can't go behind your back and talk about your drug addiction or your alcoholism or, uh, or, or this child that you had out of wedlock. And these are just a few things. I can't, if you're already talking about it, because now it's not gossip. Um, own everything. Yeah, own it, own it. And then as you own it, people want to see, since you own it, what are you going to do about it? So here's a situation that happened of recent. Mm -hmm. Let's just say that you're the publicist for one Miles Garrett. Mm -hmm. It's out there. Mm -hmm. It happened. It happened. We saw it mm -hmm. on live TV. I saw it. We mm -hmm. saw it. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, a couple hours go by. Mm -hmm. Post game interviews. Mm -hmm. He's back in the hotel or whatever. Mm -hmm. How do you handle this situation as Miles Garrett publicist? Uh, you to sometimes it's best not be in the limelight, right? 
So what Miles Garrett did to me, my personal opinion, I feel like he should not have done, but he did it based on other things that had happened. So I'm gonna rock with my client, right? Hey, you did this. It ain't who started it. It is what it is. They they have you on a chopping block, which I would probably, per well, I am personally upset with that. Um, but since they know they got you out here by yourself, holding all the responsibility for this, we're gonna play it cool. You're gonna say what you need to say, and we're not doing any interviews. No, why, why not? Why, why not get Because we're not gonna defend, we're not gonna, that's not getting into. We're not gonna try that, to reshape whatever so, we already saw. Right, and the reality of, again, integrity. You saw it, he hit him, right? You own it. Okay. We're going to take this hit. We're going to take this. Hit. Sometimes taking an L will help you for a long term. But win. you're not taking the full L. You are. Well, you asked if he was my client. Now, right. what, now him not taking the full L. Now, he ain't my client. I can't tell you why. Right. But let's but, just say he's your client. Like, why not client, get in front of it and say, you know what? I did it. I was he, in the heat. He of, did. I, he, and he did. He did. He did I, right I, after the game. One hundred percent. I was it. in the heat. Of, I was in the heat of the moment. Mm -hmm. I he lost owned it. that. Mm -hmm. I lost it. So that's ownership. That's ownership. So it's done and over with. You're out for the season. Ain't no sense of us going to different. There is no reason why he should be um, doing interviews about this. So that's why the Cleveland Browns PR team shut it down. He was going to do shut it down. With, Jay, with Jay Glazier. Yeah. And you don't need to defend yourself. It happened. And people have already created their own opinions. Let them do that. Because there is another season coming. You haven't completely lost your job. And we will create, and this is how we will recreate your brand so, based on a new season. Okay, so now we're, we're, we're on the brink of 2020 uh, NFL football season. What are you telling Miles going into the off season uh, during the summertime to re help reestablish or rebuild his, 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 his profile? He's got to go so, through a full it, So it would be like mom, Mama Bear. So again, like putting him into like doing nonprofit stuff and volunteering, like it looks it looks like bullshit. Right. But him not being in the limelight at all, people want to know what happened. Where is he? What is he doing? Is he sucking? Is he mad? Is he high? Is he drunk? And, and I don't care what their their we're, opinion is. We're gonna put you in for. some boys and girls clubs. No, we're not. Oh, You're we're gonna not. work out. You're going to work out. No, You're going to be ground. with your family. I'm telling you what I'm going to do. Really? Yeah, because here's the thing. When you immediately start putting people into charity things, it does not look authentic. It does not look genuine. It doesn't look like any of that. Now, what we will do is formulate your own nonprofit. You'll have a football camp. We'll do some player safeties in, in, at the end of June when you can come back for a training camp in July. Right. But that's the only thing. We're, at this point, we're not doing anything. So, you don't even need to go. And it it is very, um, it is not of me as a publicist to not encourage every player, retired or current, to go to the Super Bowl because that's the best networking. Um, but you're not even going there. 
So he has to miss this. You just room. have to really miss it and let the kind because let all this die. And but you gotta give them that smoke on the field. Come August preseason, not even regular. So basically, what you're saying is, if you if you were hypothetically in charge of Miles Garrett's camp, he would go underground from now yeah. until June. It would be a resurrection. That's what we're calling it. It's a resurrection. A complete, total, yeah. rebrand. Because rising you're from the ashes. To, and we're getting rid of everybody in your house who I don't feel or who who we don't feel is is going to be an asset in life. There are two types of people. I tell my clients Assets all and the time. liabilities. Assets and liabilities. Amen. And we're getting rid of all the liabilities because you ain't ca- you ain't cashing no checks right now. You can't even get an endorsement right now. So you have to go in the hole. So you just brought up a, a, a key word, which is endorsement. Um, and we'll just use Miles as an example. Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of these NFL players, at some point or, or another, there's a potential of having a black mark within their career, mm-hmm. right? And we want to figure out what goes on in the mind of a publicist on how you spend that within that resurrection process. And so you're on the brink of the 2020 NFL season. Mm-hmm. You talked about, we're staying underground. Mm-hmm. You ain't doing nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you reestablish his good name? Because up until this point, Miles was a really good player. Mm-hmm. And he, he's, he's still a good player. He is, yeah. He's still a good player. But his name was untarnished. How do you go about the following or the subsequent year to reestablish his, na- his good name? So with this situation, it has to be reestablished on the field, right? Like you got to do well. Yet when you come back, you got to play very well. And you're in his ear about that. Yeah, you got to play very well. You ain't had a sack in three games. Mm-mm. Yeah, you, you ain't had a sack, and you want to know why Nike ain't called? Let's say because he's gonna ask me, "Where's my Nike endorsement?" And I'm gonna ask him, "Where are my three sacks?" So are you so, are you working in tandem with? Uh, big box um, names like the Nike, you know, yeah. Adidas, so on. I, I mean, I've gotten clients uh, uh, car deals. I've gotten clients um, fitness deals. So yeah, because it's my job. It, it's a manager's job to manage their career. But is that it's your job, job as a publicist, or is, no, is that I'm, their job as an agent? Explaining to you. So it's, no, the agent. So in managing a career, you're managing their stuff. You're not going out. As a publicist, I have to expose you enough that they want to endo- they want you to endorse their product. I'm curious. So, I'm curious that mm-hmm. they brought both of you, right? But listen to you talk. What happens when you find yourself being both a publicist and a manager? Do you go back to the client and say, hey Yes, absolutely. Like, hey. I, you know, this is what you signed me up for, but this is I'm doing that mm-hmm. plus this, this, this and this. Yeah, because if there's more money coming in your pocket based on me. I'm gonna need you to share. I'm gonna need you to give me my cut. Sharing is caring. Yeah, you're right. And I work hard. So, in in our brief dialogue here, and I necessarily didn't mean to cut you off, but when does it seems like the lines blur between being the role of an agent Mm -hmm. who would, you know, hypothetically speaking, 
at least in the eyes of, of the public, look to go get a car endorsement deal mm-hmm. or a Nike deal, shoe deal or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. But but from what I'm hearing from you, that, that's something that you help promote. So right. what, what, that seems like the lines kind of blur. Um, so here's the thing. Uh, if you're just starting out, it's kind of like you do everything so that people will identify you for what you really do. Um, and that sucks, but it is what it is. Um, and with that being said, as a publicist, if I'm if I'm maximizing your visibility, maximizing your time on the field, maximizing everything, those conversations, those endorsement deals are going to come, but they're going to come through the person that's maximizing it. So they're going to reach so out to the agent? They're, they're going to reach out to the agent or the publicist. Hey, how do I get in contact with the agent? Okay. And so now... And then based on the... So so with sports, and we're talking specifically and specifically about sports, um, if you are... Let's say you're a backup and you're assigned to a big agency. Okay. They have a public... I mean, you sign because they have a publicist. And I will... I will tell you one experience I had last year at the Super Bowl. So I had a former client who no longer plays, whose brother now plays for the New York Giants. And he was like, my brother lives in Atlanta and he hasn't heard from his agent. He hasn't heard from the agency about anything going on for the Super Bowl. Um, I told his brother to reach out to me. We talked, I told him my fee. He agreed, we signed the contract. So while so for the Super Bowl, I had him lined up for media day for two days straight. He did BET, he did play um, uh, Players Tribune, he did he did a lot. Uh, now as he's doing this, his agent sees this, and they come to you, and they go to him and like, hey, what are you doing here? And so he's. And they bring their publicist. Hey, what are you doing here? Let's get you on some shows. He in returns tells them, um, that's fine, but I, I ha- I'm already booked for a few shows. So with that, what happens is, um, since he tells them that he's already booked for a few shows, who did the booking? You did. You did? I did. Now, I'm just a publicist. I don't have an agent's license. And you have to have an agent's license to be an agent in the NFL or the NBA. You have to take the test and everything. Um, and so now I, I pose as a threat. Because yeah, because they, they think you're going to steal their client. I'm just trying to steal your client. Or at least taking money out of their pocket. Or, or, definitely. Um, but they weren't on their job, though. Exactly. And my theory is the only people that don't like me are people who are exposed who I expose by doing my job who aren't doing this and so he ends up getting a lot of um, publicity you know he was uh, I think he couldn't play in a celebrity basketball game but he was at the celebrity basketball game you know he took a lot of pictures blah 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 and what does this have to do with him staying on the Giants well when it's you and it's another player, and y'all equally play well, but we got to get rid of somebody. You got more exposure. So we're going to get rid of this person hmm. because my client has more exposure. And it plays for New York. The, and he plays, yeah. The team can do more with him outside of outside. this play. 
my mom may be a fan of New York now because he he kissed he he shook some hands and kissed the baby. Right. That, so that's more money in the league and in the team's um, pocket. So in saying that, um, as a public, so what that did that did bring him an endorsement. He had been wanting endorsement from and from Nike. Well, he did all the media interviews. I had a conversation with a Nike rep. We got him in. We got him at a Nike endorsement. So you're you're not just a NFL athlete um, publicist, right? Yeah. You do beyond that. So, and this is I'm, I'm actually excited to talk about this because we we, re, we really never get into politics. Mm. What is it like to be a political uh, publicist? Um, it's just it's equally exciting because uh, there's never a dull moment. Uh, the difference is um, a p- politician they know their end goal, right? They know they're trying, trying to, to be elected, elected, reelected. So everyone's on the same page. As a player, you really just in here and you don't really know how the game go. And so um, as a publicist for um, politicians or being in PR with, with politicians, um, the easier what's easier with them is there is an end goal. So they're not, they're least likely to jeopardize their future based on because a lot of people invest a lot of money, um, but um, to jeopardize their future position or elected position. How, how does one become a, a political publicist? Uh, so for me, it was through my dad. So my dad met a, a lady running for um, the bench, well, running for judge. And he's a very blunt person. He was like, you're probably going to lose. But my daughter, I don't know what she does, but she's really good. And this is what he tells her. Well, I don't know anything about. I I, I didn't know uh, enough to feel like I needed to like represent her. But um, he refers me. We talk. I talked to the lady. You know, she ends up hiring me and uh, she did lose, but she didn't lose as bad as she would. Not because of you. No, she and that that's another thing. She did not lose because of me. To get that out there, right? Let's be real clear. Uh, There were some other hiccups in her campaign. Like, I think it's very important that if you are seeking to run for office, there are a lot of things that need to happen first. Uh, you don't wake up and decide to run. You really, really um, prepare yourself to hold that office. Uh, not saying that this woman didn't, but she didn't have a campaign manager. When you become a candidate, you need a campaign manager. That's a must have. I am not a campaign manager. I don't even promote, not even close. Don't want the job. Won't ever sign up for it. So my point in saying that is she, I don't think she really had one, the one she had, and you know, that was, and that was that. But <laughs> as a candidate, there, there's a lot, like it takes years to just run for office. People right. who wake up and see there's a vacant seat and run um, usually become um, one-timers, which means they don't get reelected. Because they really didn't know what they were doing in the first place. Right. Um, 
So you want to prepare yourself down to the car you drive. You know, if you're a Democrat running, you're probably going to look for labor endorsements. As a publicist, I got to get you in front of all the unions in the state of Texas or wherever we are. And you better be driving an American car. Exactly. You better, and you better be a member of the union. Mm-hmm. How you going to, how am I ask the union to endorse me and I am not a member of the union? So how did you learn that? Um, I well, I learned it um, through mentorship. I found a mentor. Shout out to Jane Hamilton. Um, Jane, I I was the first campaign I worked on. She actually was working in on um, <clears throat> a campaign. She put me on, and um, I observed her. I asked a lot of questions, and um, we went from there. Um, and then also I talked a lot to, um, to, uh, I'm so sorry. Kayla. Kayla. No, no, no. I also talked to, uh, Lorraine Beerbill, who is now a candidate for, um, District 100 as the state rep. She had done a lot of campaigns and she was good in being an advisor and a mentor as well. So again, you know, when you get into things that are new, definitely have to ask a lot of questions and talk to people that you know um, have the wisdom. So let me let me ask you this, kind of uh, before we close out this segment. Um, let's say I'm a, an aspiring uh, publicist and I want to get into to that world. Um, I want to give you the last whatever minutes of this the segment to specifically talk to those folks. You've got a one on one. What are you telling these people? What are you telling our visionaries? that uh, you know may want to jump into the world of being a publicist? You have to be creative. And so you need to decide. It's It looks fun. And to be honest, it is a lot of fun. I look forward to doing 100 Kids for Christmas with Eric Warfield. Shout out that to is going to be a very fun day. But leading up to that day is sleepless nights. I have insomnia. I'm trying to figure out where the rest of you going to get the rest of this money, you know, or who else is going to be a sponsor, things of that nature. And so and it weighs on my shoulders because my client has to be successful. So uh, if you are looking to become a publicist, it's like how much work, how much time are you willing to do? Uh, it's a lot of networking. You have to build your it because it's in communications, you have to build your network. You have to be able to talk to people. You have to meet people. You have to talk, you know. You got to be able to tap in. Yeah, tap in. You got to know who to go to. And that's very important. Um, I think, again, you know, I I teach Sunday school at my church. um, And some of the kids that are seniors are like, oh, I think I want to major in in communications and be a publicist because, you know, they're following me on social media. But before I even got to the Grammys to take that selfie, I had to do a lot of work to get there. I had to make sure my client was on the red carpet taking pictures. Or before I got to go to the Super Bowl, taking those pictures, I had to make sure my clients were lined up to to do media or participate in celebrity golf tournaments. Or there's a lot that goes into it. 
um, behind the scenes. And I would just really do the research. I mean, yes, being a publicist is about, you know, crisis management, writing press release, but you're, you're lightweight, probably organizing an event because you got to give your client exposure, right? So you are going to be hashtag or slash an event coordinator. Um, you are going to be hashtag slash an agent, especially if a if you're in sports and your client is with a big agency. That 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 kid ain't talking to them. Hmm. They're not even l- looking at because that he's not bringing he or he or she's not bringing in the the money. You're not a cash cow. Yet. Yeah, you're not a cash cow. And, but they don't want any money to leave either. Like you don't, you don't want this kid to leave your agency and then go talk to a first rounder because they went to the same school and talk about how you didn't respond. Mm-hmm. So there's, there, it's a twofold. So they do want to keep you to keep that kind of reputation down, but they, they're not checking for you because you ain't bringing in the money. Right. Right. Ladies and gentlemen, the voice you're hearing is Lola Wilson. Uh, we have unpacked a ton of things here with Lola as we talked about the world of PR. Uh, we will be right back with another segment here on the Vision Lab podcast. This is Ron, CEO of Dallas Leaf LLC, and you're listening to the Vision Lab podcast with Cuff and Mo. Welcome back to the Vision Lab podcast We're with Lola Wilson. Hi. So, Lola, before we went to break, we were talking about your experience uh, being a publicist in the world of politics. Mm-hmm. And Cuff and I are both curious. What has been some of the most entertaining or fun, for lack of a better word, experiences that you've had doing what you do in the world of politics? Uh, I would say uh, when I was the political director for Beto O'Rourke, um, I did not know this man really. I mean, I had seen him and people had talked about him. And then um, he went viral because he talked about the NFL and taking a knee. Um, And then it was my job to make him hot, basically. After that happened, um, they called me. They was like, how how can we keep staying power? Um, Because everything had gone viral. Well, um, my mo- so what was exciting about that was also a challenge because I only had three days to make something happen, to, con- to stabilize his visibility and relevancy. Um, so we did a town hall at a Good Street Baptist Church in Dallas. It's the only church that Martin Luther King ever preached at in Dallas. And it was the same, the day that um, Beto spoke there was the same day that Martin Luther King, the date was the same date that um, Martin Luther King spoke. And that was the Alabama bombing. Botham John had just got killed. Mm-hmm. And he spoke in Dallas that same. And he spoke that it was so. Now that's that's that, surreal. That's very surreal. But it's a lot of research that you did to figure that out. And, and obviously coincidence happens since. Okay, mm-hmm. we're. Okay, we're three days away from mm-hmm. this. Do you think that voters really looked into it to that depth to realize that Beto O'Rourke is on X date on the same day that MLK spoke in Dallas? No, but as a publicist, I had to make sure the story was told through the media. 
So I made sure that the media was there and knew that story. Um, so when they talked about him being there, they talked about him being in the same space as um, Martin Luther King the same day of the Alabama um, the church, church bombing. bombing. Church bombing in Birmingham. I'm just curious. First of all, kudos to you. Thank you. What a that's a that's a a veteran move, mm-hmm. right? To to pull that out of your hat mm-hmm. and say, okay, I've got three days to make this work. Oh, oh snap. MLK spoke in Dallas three days to the date. We're gonna have you speak in three days at this same church. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna book the church, I'm gonna make sure it happens, blase, blase, blase. Mm-hmm. But where did you come up with that? Like, how do you know the right strings to pull, the right rabbits to pull out of the hat? So here's the thing with politics um, and even maybe with sports, but um, I am definitely a person that maximizes the visibility through African-Americans are trendsetters. We're 95% of the vote for the Democratic Party. He was a running on a Democrat ticket. So at the end of the day, you could talk about NFLs taking a knee, but you need to stabilize and keep this black vote to turn Texas blue. The only way you're going to do that is through a black audience. Well, the black audience has to be in a black neighborhood at a black church, because one thing about black people is the black people that vote go to church. Period. These are facts. So... I knew that. I knew the people at Good Street were people that were voters because they were part of the civil rights movement. But you didn't know anybody at Good Street. I did. Oh, you did? Mm-hmm. So it's and about, that's part of relationships. That's yeah, a And you mentioned that in that last segment. Mm-hmm. Being you know, tapped in. Being mm-hmm. tapped in, networking, and leveraging your network. Mm-hmm. So, just change course, right? Mm-hmm. What is the long-term vision for you, Lola Wilson, and SB Sports Group. Uh, so, from a from an athlete standpoint, my long term vision is to really, uh, um, really pour into wisdom into African American athletes. That's my long term. Uh, my big, big long term is for, and I know this is going to sound crazy and, and insane, is but for more African American athletes to go to HBCUs so that the NCAA becomes more of an equal playing field. And I know all of this sounds outrageous with the big schools and all well, the things that they get. But at the end of the day, we're going to still stand. And the truth is the truth. And that's based on, and it is what it is. And so that's another, that's a long term goal. And, and, and for um, all athletes to maxim, to really um, gain as much as they can through um, their profession. A lot of people leave the game and they, they have, they're not prepared to leave. Just not. So you just opened the door that we were not expecting you to go down, but I'm going to walk through it, right? Okay. So you said you want these, you want African American athletes to start going more and more to HBCUs. Mm-hmm. So if you were in the position, let's just say you're an advisor, if you will, to mm-hmm. a family who has one of these, you know, five star recruits, and they have their their pick of where they want to go to school. Mm-hmm. What's your pitch to that family to say, hey, don't send your son to Blue Bud School this, send your son to XHBCU. What's your pitch to that family? Uh, I, I would be very honest with them. Like, 
Alabama's gonna give him everything, but he gonna earn everything at fam. What's the difference? Um, earning and giving. So like, you're not gonna get, you're not gonna walk in and be given everything. You're not gonna get a Nike jersey. I mean, a Nike uniform or all these other things that you would get at a big school. Mm -hmm. But at fam, they gonna make sure not only do you play, but you graduate. And not only do you graduate, but you graduate and you know what you're getting yourself into if you go to the league. They're going to give you that because that's how much they care. But what if what if that that, that child and that family's goal is like, hey, my son's going to school X, Y, Z. We're going to school as really as a, as a checkpoint to get to the NFL and NBA. And, and that's fine, because if that's what you want, then I don't need to talk to you anyway. You ain't even looking out for your kid. You looking out for you. Hmm. Okay. So let me let me ask you this. I mean, I, I know we talked about Alabama and, and all that fun mm -hmm. stuff and uh, FAMU, whatever. Um, you talked about pouring into the the the, the mind, the wisdom. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? I uh, just um, being smart about the decisions that we make. Uh, I recently had a kid. He committed to OSU. And he was like, yeah, and I'm going to be a neuro, neuro engineer. No, you're not. Not at OSU. Not playing football. No. The OSU no in Oklahoma or the OSU in Ohio? No. The OSU in Oklahoma. Okay. You're not. And he was like, well, that's what they told. He didn't, no. he didn't understand what he was getting into, did he? Right. Hey, that schedule is conflict of your football schedule practice. And so uh, our kids just don't know. Like I substitute Todd to try to, to better understand where the breakdown was happening. And what I, I mean, you don't know what you don't know. Sure. And so our kids are being sold. I had a kid also when I was a substitute. And this is what really, really made me get into being, uh, being a sports publicist or uh, specializing in professional athletes. Yale came to the school. Now, I knew Yale wasn't going to take this kid because he didn't have a grade. But Yale has to meet a quota and mm. say, hey, we went to all these schools and this is why we don't have these black boys playing at our school because they don't meet the, the they don't have the grades. But they have to show that they try to get a certain group of minorities to play for their school because it's a private school. We don't give our athletic scholarships. We give our academic scholarships. Yep, yep. But no one told this kid that. Just imagine if his freshman year, his coach said, hey, you could go to Yale and play football. <laughs> you need to get your ass together and get your shit together. Right. Maybe when Yale came, that would have just been another option with Harvard or any other school. But you, this kid literally thought he was going to go to Yale with his grades. And had C's. Worse than that. But he was the best at his position. And Yale came to justify. They knew they wasn't going to get that kid. It was just making an appearance. It was just to making an appearance. And we have to got to got to get tired of being of having everyone check a box when it comes to us and, and understand our kids. your worth. Yeah, and your value. And the kid that's going to OSU, you just believe in everything they say. Well, 
you can't put that on the kid. Yeah, but here's the thing. This is what I'm saying. You only know what you know. He only believed it because no one told him. You were in high school. Where is your coach? This is now listen. I'm glad you're going to OSU, but I don't want you to go. Thinking that's what you're thinking. It's one thing and it's another. And you get there and you're in shock. And then you're in shock. And now you resent everything you this uh, every decision you made. So I'm gonna here's a challenging question. Does that not cross the line as a publicist? Well, yeah, I'm not even being a public. I can't be a, a, a student's publicist. This against all in the right, double This is a hypothetical yeah. in regards to what if I yeah. should give a family. But I think, so in my work as a publicist, I volunteer to advise. Okay. And I do that because there's not enough people advising our people about the truth about what's going on. Now, I know there's a big thing about, you know, kids are are now going to be able to get paid as they play sports, and that's great. But you still should be able to major in what you want to major in and play. And that, theoretically, that doesn't happen at big schools. Why why such the big heart? Um, Because somebody had a big heart for me. Hmm. So why shouldn't I have a big heart? And then my dad, I mean, and a lot of it has to do with my dad. I mean, my dad always like supported every kid that went to his church, made sure they had scholarship. My kid has driven kids to college. Like, look, you going to Langston. I got you in. You're welcome. I don't want to see you till graduation. Right. So it's 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 been instilled in me, and so that's what I want to do. I love that. I absolutely love that. Mm-hmm. All right, Thank Lola. You. All right, okay, Lola. It's time to land the plane. Okay. These are some of the questions that we didn't tell you we we're gonna ask. Okay. All right. So mm-hmm. it's you at a round table, and there are five other seats. Who are those five people? And you cannot oh say Jesus. Oh my God! No, I wouldn't. You <laughs> wouldn't. In my heart. <laughs> He already there. You already, you already <laughs> speak to him. Jesus is there. Five people. Dead or alive doesn't matter. Dead or alive. Ooh, we. Um, I would have Oprah. Um, for five people. Ooh, we. That's one. I know that's just one. Dead or alive. My grandma is alive, but I would have my grandmother. What's grandma's name? Lola May Simmons. Um, I would have my grandmother. Um, it's the reason we didn't tell you before we were going to ask you this. Y'all, she's oh, this is going to sound thinking. crazy. I'm I'm going to say um, because when you have five people at a table. Um, that me, I feel like they're pouring into me or, or whatever. There's no right or wrong um, answer. I would have Jay Rattler. Ooh. I know him. Interesting. Wow. That 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 may have to be the most interesting person. Yeah. So far, absolutely. That we've never heard before. Yeah. Uh, We're gonna come back to Jay. Jay Rattler. So there's three people. I have two seats left. Mm-hmm. And 
you guys can I would have Shirley Chisholm. Shirley Chisholm, okay. I like that. Say so Oprah, your grandmother, Jay Ratliff, Shirley Chisholm, and who else? Dead or alive. That's good. I did that. I'm proud of me. Yeah, because I'm like, I don't, I got one more. I know you want to say one of the hosts on the Vigilant podcast, but you can't. No, I can't. <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, my Uncle Billy. Why? He was a former athlete, and before he passed away, he would call me before the draft. Have you watched the games? I'm watching them for you. You know, it was like our thing. Um, So when Lamar Jackson was getting drafted, my uncle was like, you need to get him. Get, And I'm like, I can't get Lamar Jackson. Like, what are you talking about? Which is interesting because I did meet him, but... um, he was like, I don't know, I, don't, I feel like his mom, she, she just, she's too in it, she just needs somebody there, whatever. And um, uh, she, he was like, I don't even think he's gonna go first round. And I was like, he's a Heisman Trophy winner, how could he not? And he almost didn't, right? 31st, 30, 31st, 32nd. 31st. Yeah, they tried to back so, up and get him. My dad, so he just always, he was like my extra set of eyes. Um, when I got in, because I, I mean, I didn't grow up playing sports. I'm not, you know, I'm definitely not an athlete. I just got into it because I got interested in the game. And that was just our thing. But he just, he. Um, he saw something in you. Yeah. And he thought, he even was like, I think you should fly to California and see this kid. I'm like, I'm not flying to California to see this kid. I don't even know. All right. He's the one who made me start researching baseball, you know, and seeing, you know, how, like, why they're not drafting Africa. You know, it's hard for African-Americans to play baseball right now. They don't want us to because they're getting minorities out of the country. My nephew is 10. And he is the only black on his third team and the best. But they don't want him when he 18 because he costs too much. Hmm. So. Interesting. Interesting. So before we land this plane, one more time for our visionaries that have been inspired by your word, that want to tap into the world of being a publicist, uh, or, or even tap into the world of, uh, you know, uh, pro athletes or politics or uh, movie stars or, uh, you know, Hollywood or whatever. How? What's the best way for them to get a hold of you? One more time. Oh, okay. So it's uh, SP, and it's a real word, but it's espy.lolawilson at gmail.com. That's my email. Or you can follow me on the Lola Simone underscore Instagram, uh, Lola Simone on Facebook, and simply Lola S on Twitter. Outstanding. Um, we love to ask this question on every episode. Mm-hmm. So I want you to close your eyes and, and think who you are now and today in 2019. Let's rewind the clock five years ago in the past 
What would today's Lola tell herself from five years ago? What advice would you have given yourself? Chill the fuck out. Chill out. Chill out. Now let's fast forward the clock and forgive us because we're going to make you a little bit older. (laughs) All right. We're going to fast forward that clock five years from now. Mm -hmm. What is your five-year older version of yourself telling yourself today? What advice would you be giving yourself as you look back? Just a little more patience. You just need a little more patience. I love that. Patience is a virtue. Ladies and gentlemen, the voice you've been hearing is Lola Wilson. My name is Ryan Mosley. He's Ryan Cuffey, and you've been listening to the Vision Lab Podcast.